Hello and welcome to the 39 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney III. Tonight's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. I want to also say thanks to the good the good people at Pitch Logic. It's the system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play, from the youth leagues to the big leagues. It's easy to use and affordable technology that makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest level. See pitchlogic.com for more information. Speaking of highest levels, I am joined by three gentlemen that operate their lives at the highest levels. The great Kendall J. Rogers, the great Josephus Joe Healy, and the master of credibility, the director of credibility, David J. Seifert. Gentlemen, good evening. How are we doing? Good evening. I'm doing well. I'm a little nervous being on a podcast podcast with a man of Sife stature. Well, as you should be, as you should be, um, gentlemen. Let me let me start off the name banter part of the procession uh, right. here. Um, I would like to know. We were we were all at four really cool venues last weekend. Kendall, you were in Round Rock at that awesome mm-hmm. facility for the Carbot Classic. Sife, you were at Globe Life, which is money. Um, Joe, you were at the Jacks Classic because you are kind of like the the chic, uh, cool version of you know that, that that's you're the director of cool at d1baseball.com. Famously and, cool person, absolutely. Did yeah, I hear well something said. about like a little person rodeo or something too? <laughs> is, that, is that what I heard? Well, there were there were two yeah there were two competing events across the street at the Jacks Classic one was professional bull riding, PBR tour. Thank you. Uh, two nights, Friday and Saturday night. Um, during the rain delay on Friday, I thought about scalping a ticket to that. Didn't didn't come to pass. And then apparently, I did not see this. I was told by a source. <laughs> I feel like this, a, is a, this is a fake news item. Breaking. Well, I was told by someone else who maybe is affiliated with D1 Baseball who was in Jacksonville. You guys can do your own research on that. That there I'm was at a bar. Story already. Across Peterson, the street. Was it KP? Oh, it was I'm not kidding. Kyle I'm Peterson. Kidding. I'm kidding. Rhymes with <laughs> Methan Rock. Yeah, uh, that there was a little person wrestling across the street um, at this bar. I did not see with my own nice. eyes, but I'm not entirely sure why this person would lie about that. So, I feel and there was quite, so there was a ruckus coming going for, coming from that bar across the street. So I something find was it happening. hard to believe that this person knew about this and did not actually report from this. I just kind of feel like that's right in his wheelhouse. Yeah. You'd think. Yeah, you'd think. Yes. He was pretty excited about it when he told me. Oh, my okay. gosh. Dude, six foot five individuals are even allowed to in establishments like that? I would think that. I hey, I have, a tr- I have a question, a poll question. What is better to watch, Little Person Wrestling or Hagen Smith Pitch? For me, Hagen Smith every day, all day. So. <laughs> Yes. Hey, before I have no, we get I have no interest, I have no interest in the other. But uh, yes. Hagen Smith, I'll watch him. I'll watch him fourteen times a year. We got to get Scythe breakdown of that in a minute. Yes, in a second, Scythe. That that's that's a good that's a good uh, segue, sort of. But the uh, let, let's do this. Here's what I want to here's what I want to talk about first. Because the, these are all great venues. I would like to know what was your favorite non baseball item of the weekend. Joe, you don't have to say little person wrestling. If you want to say that, you can. You don't have to. I don't want you to feel cornered there. So I was in Fort Worth. The, the whole concessions operation at TCU is amazing. Their French fries are off the charts amazing. Sife, I'm talking 70 fries 
maybe 80 if you're feeling generous. I also did get to stay with my cousin, Bill Gordon, played baseball at Rollins College. He's been in Singapore with his family for seven years. So that was really fun to stay there and hear about Singapore and um, and then the fries at TCU. Um, Joe, you go next. What would you what would you like to say about the Jacks Classic? Um, well, well, first of all, they um, well, let me actually I have a visual aid for this for those who might be. Hold on one <laughs> second. Oh, wow. Visual aid. Saif, do you have a visual aid? Did you know it was show and tell night? I, I do not know. I'm, I just try to get my background OK, so. They have a pretty good the folks at Peak Events. They uh, they take care of their staff and then their their sponsors with some good swag. I saw people walking around with zip up hoodie sweatshirts with the Jack's Classic logo on them. Some nice. like Peak Events like lightweight sweatshirt hoodie kind of deals. Um, and then I was able to procure one of the items, which is this Jack's Classic uh, like protein shake shaker thing. Oh, nice. Like, it has like this little agitator on the top of it. Kind of looks like a kind of looks like something you'd like a juice an orange with. You know? Yeah, it looks like a juicer. Yeah, but it uh, you know it's one of these like metal like insulated type deals. And um, Joe, I well, put I got slick. I got one of those from last year from Frisco or Round Rock, and uh, I put coffee in there actually. Yeah, you could do. Yeah, you could you could do whatever with it. I'm sure it those is are amazing. Apparently, Gronk approved. I guess one of the lesser Gronks, Chris Gronkowski. Uh, is oh, the founder of bottle. Oh yeah. 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 So Jack's classic. Cool. So the merch was great. Also Kyle, the great Kyle Peterson. When I was in, um, I sat in for a few innings doing play by not play by play. That would have been something if they'd let me do play by play, um, doing analyst work on the streams over the weekend. And Kyle Peterson was kind enough to bring myself and Darren Vaught, the churros that we'd been smelling all weekend. They, the the smell of the churros wafting up to the press box level and taunting us all weekend. And, and Kyle Peterson came through and it was a solid. I'm not going to throw like a 70 on it, like your, your fries, but it was, it was good enough. Rinse, can I, can I interject here? Can I put Please. like a 70 on Joe's uh, color skills on, on in the booth? I heard they were really great. good. Was Joe, what was good. your, what was your best insight or line? Do you remember what, 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 oh, what you feel like was your, your best effort? Um, well, it was when I was, I was talking to Darren, Darren Vaught about the bull riding across the street and he was like, well, like professional bull riding. And, and we kind of went back and forth because I wondered what he thought the alternative to that was like, was it <laughs> Me amateur too. bull riding? It's a great follow-up like, question. It's like, good yeah. reporting. You think they got Child like, like kid, yeah, kids riding these bulls? What do you, what do you, what amateur do you think? bull like, riding sounds like a very bad idea. <laughs> yeah. I very bad. I don't, I don't know what he was, what he was thinking, but, but yeah, that was, uh, I would not recommend Darren, amateur bull riding. No, no, that sounds like a way to get hurt real, real quick, real quick. Kendall, but, you're, yeah, I would yeah. concur what you said. I heard Joe, and I heard the whole broadcast was awesome. Joe, Darren, DB Darren is Bob, awesome. By the way. Uh, awesome. Yeah, Darren was like really, really good. I, you know, I had heard him on some ACC games before, but you know, that's a that that is a marathon. You have two games a day. You know, you guys were dealing with rain delays in, in Jacksonville on Friday. Uh, he was really good too, but always good to get KP down there and. Of course, uh, Mr. Shock was down in Jacksonville as well. Uh, Roots, I can't report from Round Rock that uh, I did not get one of those nice cups. I've got to reach out to my man, Philip Valoria, at, at uh, Peak Events and find out why did I not get my blender cup. You didn't get any swag, Ken? I didn't get any swag. I got like, what I, happened? I, they gave me like a pullover and that was it. Well, that's some swag, but I mean, not, that, that's not some full swag. swag. Yeah. No, but those guys did an awesome job. You know, it's kind of funny. A couple of years ago when they had Arkansas there, 
uh, Arkansas and Louisiana played one day in the high, like the game time temp was like 34. Uh, over the weekend, it was like 84 one day and like literally not a cloud in the sky. The weather could not have been better. Uh, Kendall, speaking of swag, I have a Carson Bowen t-shirt for you from Ooh. the Bowen family, which is really cool. Um, it's kind of like an NIL type of deal, and he is the catcher for your team. So they, uh, I'm uh, liking my chances. Is, 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 I haven't made up a name for my team. Do you, the Roginators maybe? I don't know. Ooh, I like that. Mm. I, I think like the your command of the mute button, maybe we need to workshop that a little you bit. You see my mug my wife got me here? Yeah, amazing. Sides, how was a sweet life in Globe Life, man? Or what, I guess question one, how was a sweet life? Question two, at what point throughout the weekend did Fit fall asleep? Okay, well, never fell asleep, but let me go back two minutes here. Are you talking your a name for your fantasy team? Correct. Correct. Oh, that's been long established. You're the Red Cross. Like, you do not Kendall Rogers to draft you if you're a pitcher, period. So Red Cross, Red, Red Cross, Cross Rogers. I actually have to go back and find out who I – you know, while you're talking, I'm going to go logo. back and look at my team and find out who my pitchers are and do a little uh, – oh. I'll do a little update for you guys. Well, I think two of the five are already on the DL, so um, – oh, oh. Saif, yeah. while Kendall's researching, what was your favorite non-baseball item from Globe Life? Well, I hate to – hate to. you kind of gave me the lead in there because I'm pretty boring. I mean, I honestly thought Joe Healy was more boring than me, but Joe Healy is <laughs> way more active than me just listening to his weekend with – the wrestling and the, the churros <laughs> and his time in the booth. I am way more boring. So I actually just like the fries. Fiddy and I, we had, we crushed the fries, but they were so good. We had to like step away from them a little bit too. Cause we were worried about our trans fat at one point, I think. Early on Sunday. <laughs> so uh, we, we put down the fries with the, uh, with the cheeseburger and the uh, chicken strips, but uh, um, we didn't really do much. I mean, we watched two great games a day at a great venue in a great suite that uh, uh, Raj has already prearranged for us. Uh, Matt, yeah, I forgot Matt's last name with Rev Entertainment was awesome. Um, but we just had a great weekend, but it was mostly just food related. It was either food in Uber um, or at the hotel. So uh, who, who was your go to at uh, with Rev? Was it was it Matt? Was it Matt Malin? Yeah, Matt Malin. Yep. Oh, he's yeah. a like guy's a rock star. Yeah, he was he was super awesome to us, and uh, we had the best suite you could have right behind the plate. Um, Fiddy kind of boxed me out because he put me right behind the umpire and the catcher where he had the, uh, the, the spot behind the left-handed batter's box. So he outviewed me at times. Um, yeah. but you know, I made it work. So side, oh, I love it. Weekend. side going, going back to that, the weekend, you know, I kind of go back to a tweet you put out and I, and I, I'm, I maybe, I don't know if it's worded exactly like this, but I want to say that you said that Hagen Smith's performance might have been the best you've ever seen. Um, you've seen a lot of baseball and you've seen a lot of pitchers. Uh, I guess, like, as from a scouting perspective, just break that all down, dude. Yeah, like I'm going to write in the scouting trail um, for Wednesday. Is you know, I've been either playing college, coaching college, mm -hmm. or scouting college for 34 years, um, and you know I have seen a lot. Like I, I played. I, I actually didn't play that day, but we faced Todd Helton when he was at Tennessee. I was in the other dugout for Illinois, faced Todd Helton. I saw Matt Anderson for Rice. I saw him when he was 1-1 overall. He's the first guy I ever saw touch 100 miles per hour. Um, you know, I've coached junior college against guys that are in big leagues. Um, you know, so I've, I've seen a lot, but I've just never seen an amateur player 
you know, pitch like it was like Kerry Woods' 19 or 21 strikeout performance when 2000, I forget the year, 2008 or 2010 or whatever. It was that dominant. I mean, Smith made 17 of the 18 outs via strikeout. Uh, through five, he had 15. He had recorded all the outs through strikeout. And it was efficient, too. It was like 78 pitches. So there's no deep counts. So strike one, strike two, go take a seat. Uh, most of them were on a slider. I mean, you could put an 80 on a slider or 70 on a slider as far as the you know pro scale. You wouldn't be wrong either way. I mean, he, was, he touched 99. He pitched at 97, 98 for most of the most of the six innings. Just dominant. There wasn't a guy. Bazana, the best pure hitter in America, or one of the two, I, you know, whoever you want else throw in there. But he struck him out three times, and it wasn't even close. The first two times especially wasn't even close. Bazana was trying. They were all trying, but – they didn't touch anything. Hagen Smith was throwing up there. It was just unbelievably dominant. Do you, what do you think on that slider, Saif? I'm sorry, Kendall. What, what no, do you, like, go ahead. What's what's the why there? Like, can P, are they not? Are the hitters not? Like, is it? It's like 86, 87. Is that what the slider is? Yeah, they know it's coming. I mean, he threw it pitch after pitch, but you also have to respect the the 98. You know what I mean? And it's a lively 98 too. It's just not a. It's yeah. not a straight 98. I mean, just the combination. He mixed in a couple of changeups, but only like two or three in the last couple of innings just to show it. But I'm telling you, it was late. It was hard. It was under the barrel. It was untouchable. Again, it was like a Kerry Woods curveball. And his, well, I, Joe, you probably know 21 strikeouts. I'm not, I forget what it was. 20. But it was just, 20, yeah, yeah. Just, 19, 1998. Against Houston Astros. Astros. I think that was the team. But yeah, I mean, yeah. It, was, it was, you know, it was unbelievable. We were, Fitty, every Indian Fitty and I were just aghast and like, holy cow, did you see that? They couldn't touch him. Could not touch him. Would you take him, if you had to pick today, would you take Brody Brick or Hagen Smith? Oh, Hagen Smith. I I still have Cags at 1-1 just because he can do yeah. both and he's a lefty that throws 99. Um, he doesn't have that type of slider, but he may. But like if the draft were tomorrow, I'd still take Cags at 1, but Hagen Smith would be 2. Hey, I will hey, say Kendall, this about Kendall, Brick, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Kendall. Go ahead, finish that thought. No, I was just going to say, like, looking at his stat line over the weekend, and Joe can kind of weigh in on Brody a little bit, but like looking at his stat line over the weekend, I mean, 11 punch-outs against Auburn is pretty impressive because Auburn looked very good over the weekend. Yeah, yeah they, I, I mean – Sorry, Joe. I, I was just going to say, I, you know, it was similar to what Sipes talking about with the slider. I mean, it's it, that was the pitch for Brody Breck. That's no surprise. That's kind of the way he always puts batters away. But because you do have to respect the fact that, hey, this guy can, you know, pump 101 past you, you know, it just makes it such a difficult task. And Auburn ends up winning that game largely because Brecht looms so large over the proceedings while he's in there that the minute he comes out of the game, you can almost physically see Auburn relax and say like, oh, thank God. Because the minute he leaves, I was bringing in good arms out of the bullpen in terms of just arm strength and stuff. And Auburn had no problems after that. But it was, yeah, impressive stuff for Brecht. He was, you know, the fastball command is still, you know, kind of whatever. But he just makes up for it because the slider's so dastardly and he throws just enough strikes. Right. Like Brecht, and there, and I like Brecht, don't get me wrong, Kendall, but like Brecht does not command his fastball. It's, it's, I mean, if, if we're being honest here, not critical, but just honest, it's, it's 30 command. You know, it's 40 control. It's 30 command. He doesn't, he misses up a lot and he's not trying to. Um, but with Hagen Smith, I just point to one example. He went slider uh, for called strike, slider for a swing and miss. And then Fitty and I look at each other like, why even waste a pitch? And we actually, Matt Hobbs stopped by 
this week, the next morning uh, before their game on Saturday. And we talked to him for probably half an hour. And we were talking about the same scenario. And Fiddy and I were just like, ah, oh, just put them away with another slider. Why waste a pitch? Hagen Smith spotted up 98 between the black of the plate and the inside line of the batter's box. He put it right there. Called, it was called a ball. Next pitch, he came back with a slider for a swing miss. But that was the type of fastball command that Hagen Smith had. Again, that was one game, one night. But, like, he did it once. There's no reason he can't do it time and time again. You know, not every time. But, I mean, he showed it. So, um, and plus, Hagen Smith, I always take the lefty or the righty. When it's close, I always go left over right. Yeah. Just fewer of them. So, um, but I mean, it's a long season. It's, you know, it's what, 12 more weeks, regular season, conference tournaments, regionals, on and on. And they got to stay healthy. And I expect Breck to get better with his fastball command. And hate to say, I expect Hagen Smith to get better. Gosh, if he just stays the same, he's, he's that's ridiculous. So, it was it was exciting out here. Shades, yeah. shades of uh, Jared Weber against AM in the regional when he struck out, was it 21? In a regional game gets AM back in the late 90s. He really? Goodness gracious. Yeah. Hey, what uh, uh Saif, let me let me forward you to the next. So let's say Joe and Kendall and I are scouting directors and uh, CAGS is off we're picking second. So CAGS is off the board. And now, you know, we're coming out of this weekend where Hagen Smith was incredible, but then Travis Bazana the next day was equally incredible. Would you counsel KR, Joe, and I to take Hagen Smith all day long second? Or is there a conversation to be had that Travis Bazana needs to be in that discussion? He could be in the conversation, but again, Hagen Smith was just so <laughs> dominant. It's not even close. Like if yeah. the draft were tomorrow, that's who I'd go with. And yeah, Bazana was good. I mean, he hits the ball hard. He's got a beautiful swing. It's explosive bat speed. I mean, he's the real deal. But at the end of the day, I want the I want the guy I want Clayton Kershaw to lead my rotation. Um, I'm not saying there's a lot of Bazanas, but there was just one Clayton Kershaw back in the day, and that's what Hagen Smith could be. Mm, crazy. Hey, let's uh, Kendall and, and Joe. I'm going to come to you guys. I want let's stay on this player motif. So I'm I'm going to give you a player, Joe. But then I want you to like what I'm looking for is any player from the weekend that like you was really top of mind, like just the, the, this doesn't have to be the best player, but a player that really had your attention. The player I want to ask you about, Joe, is Henry Ford of Virginia. Mm. But I want you to also I, I think KP tweeted about him or maybe would texted us. But um, but if there was another player, too, and I'm going to do the same thing for you, uh, Kendall. Um, okay. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. So, yeah, Henry Ford, really impressive freshman bat for Virginia it's and it's it's exactly what you've come to expect from Virginia's high-end position players he's like a tall lanky lean athlete who's strong without looking you know bulky and but he so he can he can move he's a good athlete you know kind of a first base DH thing right now but I think that has as much to do with what Virginia has is his his defensive abilities anywhere else so but the bat really plays I mean he took an 0 for 5 on Sunday and you know, Brian O'Connor was just kind of like, eh, <laughs> you know, because he was so impressive the rest of the the rest of the weekend. So, shocker, Virginia has another impact freshman bat. It seems like every year they have one or two of these guys that just kind of emerge every year, and it's like, okay, they, they've they've restocked. It was you know when Teal was a freshman and Harrison Didowick last year, Casey Sauke as a freshman. Um, and speaking of which, Casey Sauke really big weekend, and if you look at what he did two years ago. He set the bar so high for our expectations for him. And then last year he had a, a perfectly adequate year, but when you compare it to his freshman year, it was 
let's be honest, it was a little disappointing. He hit for less power. He hit for less average, all of it. Um, but we know how talented he is. He has ACC player of the year type of upside, yeah. I feel like. And, and one of the big keys is going to be, can he get into more of his his raw power? And it's just one look, but you know, he he took a ball in Saturday night's game, um, you know, just to the off and the ball is flying a little bit to right field, but you know, just abused a ball to the opposite field for a no doubt home run. And again, that that's one look, maybe it's just a good swing, but that's precisely the type of swing they're gonna look for from him to to get him to hit with a little bit, a little bit more pop. And, and on top of it, he's you know, he's, he's a good outfielder. Like he's a good mover out there. So, um, multifaceted guy and, and Virginia's lineup is such that between Ford and Griffo Farrell, who had a tough weekend, but obviously he's an elite player there. Ethan Anderson, uh, Anthony Stefan, like the lineup is such that, you know, Casey Salke can just be the same guy he was last year and Virginia is going to be a okay. But man, if he's what he was as a freshman or better, um, that lineup's going to be Extremely, extremely dangerous. I have more questions about Virginia on the mound long term, which is what I've kind of had within the last couple of years. They always kind of figure it out, so I want to give them a little bit of of slack there. But the lineup is is going to hit. I don't really have any any real concerns about that group now. Um, just Henry Godbout too. I, I didn't mention him, but he had a great weekend. So I mean, it's just guy after guy after guy for them in the lineup. They have so many athletes every year. They like you know. Kevin McMullen's so good at recruiting athletes. Kendall, let, let's go to Round Rock for a second. Mitchell Daly, like if I'm being yeah. honest, when I just like I kept hearing Kentucky say Mitchell Daly is going to be our third mm-hmm. baseman, and I was like, man, like really? Like no offense to Mitchell yeah. Daly, I thought he's a nice middle infield defender, but now you put him on a corner, and you're like, but yeah, tell me what you saw with your own eyes because it sounds like he played really well. Yeah, he played great over the weekend. I think if you look at, you know, Mitchell Daly as a, as a whole, he's a guy that, you know, and I kind of wrote about this over the weekend, but he's a guy that, you know, had a great freshman year for Texas. I think he hit like 323 30s a true freshman in the Big 12. Uh, and then the next two years, you know, was still solid defensively, but really struggled offensively. I think teams made adjustments to him, and he was, he was unable to make adjustments to that. And, you know, he, he went to Kentucky with, you know, with Jalen Flores moving to shortstop. I think he kind of found an opportunity to make a move, and he went to Kentucky. And, you know, the thing about him is he's, he's, he was really good defensively over third, and he seems to me he seems to be hitting with a little bit more power. I, I, the offensive approach looks, looks a little better to me than what I saw during his time in Texas. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like Kentucky, for the most part, did a pretty good job in the portal with some of their guys. Uh, you know, I, I like their club, honestly. After the first day, uh, which, you know, even the first day they had a very good chance to win that game against Wazoo. But uh, Kentucky looked like a really good club the next two days. I mean, you know, Daly had a big weekend at the big grand slam. Uh, Devin Burks finally got hot. Ryan Walshman is finally back from injury. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not 100% sold on, on their pitching, but I did like Dom Neiman. I mean, you're talking about a lefty who uh, was up to 95. Uh, he had a little bit more velocity than I was expecting from Dom. Neiman. Central Connecticut yeah, I mean, State, right? Go Blue. Yeah, Dallas. he was like 93, 95 the first like two or three Whoa. innings for Kentucky. So, yeah, I mean that was really intriguing. He had a promising start. So, I think Kentucky is going to hit with Emilian Petre and, and those guys. The question for me is, you know, can they can they uh, pitch enough in the SEC? But yeah, Mitchell Daly was impressive. And the other guy for me, since you kind of wanted a couple of names. Uh, I was very, very curious to kind of see what Ryan Farber uh, for Texas State did because he was a guy that you know entered the weekend hitting 700. And, you know, what did he do in the first game? Uh, you know, hits a double, gets a big single. 
I mean, I love this guy. Like he's 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 a definite all fit uh, candidate. I mean, he's he's not a big kid. He's probably five nine, five ten, uh, if you're being pretty liberal. Uh, but he's got a really really smooth stroke from the left side. Just a very mature offensive approach. He makes hard contact every single time he's up there. The only bugaboo for for Farber is the fact that he's playing out of position in center, and you know that co- ended up costing them a couple of runs, uh, you know, in the Saturday game. So, uh, just really impressed with him offensively. But again, the storyline for me, and I got to give Nathan Schoten Wazoo credit. I mean, they they did win the tournament. Um, you know, I thought they had a really solid club offensively. They 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 got going. Uh, Case and Taggart was a guy that's gotten off to a really good start for them. Uh, you know, offensively, and he had a good weekend. You know, once again, but you know, the storyline for me w- was UK. I think that's a that's a club for me that is definitely a regional team, and we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But uh, very promising offense. Mm, so interesting. And it, you you mentioned Wazoo, like the Pac-12 is. Yeah. I mean, there's a real opportunity. Utah and Wazoo are off to these great starts. So is Cal. There's a real opportunity. I just watched UCLA get swept the weekend before. I watched USC yeah. go in three. Um, you know, Arizona State is really struggling on the mounds. Like there is, there is real room. It is for wide open. Ascension, yes. Yeah, it's really wide open. I mean, you you know, Oregon uh, is is a good club. I think Oregon's probably the most. Yeah. Oregon opening weekend was very consistent across the board. I thought. I mean, they weren't ultra flashy, but I thought it was a good team. You know, Cal is the club for me out of the Pac-12 that is front of mind right now. You know, you look at the job that Rodney Green's done from a power standpoint. You know, PJ Mutsaridis. Uh, the talented freshman uh, for them is hitting like over five or 600. He's off to a fantastic start, uh, like a 1.65 uh, OPS. So, uh, you know, Cal's offense looks really dangerous right now. So it's almost like w- with the Pac-12, it's almost like things have kind of like reshuffled a little bit here early in the season. Yeah, agreed. Let me give you guys two players from Fort Worth, sure. and then uh, we'll, we'll do a team perspective to finish. So Peyton Tolley for TCU, boy, is he a donkey. I mean, that is a large mammal. He is every bit of six foot six, 250 pounds. And he he's not someone that's going to glare in the other. By the way, I Syph, this might be a little rough on your ears because you had to toil in the Missouri Valley Conference. But I love that one of the reasons Peyton, Peyton Tolley is a college baseball player is because his mom went to Wichita State when the Shockers were like elite in baseball. And his mom is like this big college baseball fan. Because he could easily be playing college football, but he he doesn't glare in the other dugout. But he's he looks at the hitter like I will punch you. Like it, it is it is a nasty look. He is like bar fight meter Kendall off the okay. charts. Yo, like uh, he would insane. fit in nicely in cut and shoes. What you're saying? Yeah, but there's no bar fights because you would not go at him, right? Like you'd be brain dead to go at him. He's six six two fifty, and and he he threw one non fastball in the first inning. And it's 89 to 91. Now, the TCU people did say that his extension is like nothing they've ever seen. And he gets like, you know, UCLA is not a bunch of stiffs. Like that's a bunch of high profile dudes. And he's just throwing fastball. He never throws a change up. He's got two different breaking balls. But I I just love Peyton Tolley. I think he's such a great Friday night guy. His first start wasn't great. This start was was perfect. It was it was a winning start. You know, just like. You know, my team is winning this game. I, I loved Peyton Tolley. I, I, you know, I don't know where he would stack up as a prospect, Syfe, because it's, it, you know, it, he, he's unique and it's probably there's no projection. But man, as your college baseball Friday night guy, give me that dude all all day long. Peyton Chatagnier was, you know, a famous transfer for them. And he's like, he's exactly the same player and it's perfect. 
like he leads off and as like there are two things I'm certain of I will never grow hair on my head again and Peyton Chatagnier swinging at the first pitch of every single game he's participating in like there's no Joe you have to throw it in the dugout for him not to swing I'm telling you he's swinging and he he hits a ton of fly balls which drives you crazy because he's tiny but he he's such a winner you know and I know that's cliche but you know, on Sunday, Zach Morris was really struggling with strikes. And you could hear in the press box, like Peyton Chantier is get, he's getting at him. Like, hey, you are not giving up on this game. It was um, – he, he's just – his energy is so perfect for TCU. Um, it, it's – they're not going to be the sexiest team. You know, like they don't have guys throwing a million miles an hour and all that type of stuff. But, man, like you got to play good to beat them. That, that, that team is really locked in on the right things. Runes, who when you know we were talking a couple of days ago or maybe it was yesterday about Zach Morris. I think we all kind of thought coming into the season, you know, Lois was really high on him as a potential starter. It didn't look like you really viewed him as a starter. So I guess my question is if it's not him, like who would you have in the rotation that you saw over the weekend? It's a tough call. Sloan? Like I would I would probably do I like Sloan better in the bullpen. I would yeah. do Ben Hampton, honestly. Like I, I think he's plenty you know you're gonna for, get. for Sunday. Yeah, it's like um, the problem is Tolly, Klecker, Hampton, you're not missing a lot of bats with that rotation, right? And like, you know, Ben Abel is their bat messer, bat mister. And they do have some some swing and miss in the bullpen, but I, I would probably go Hampton. And Zach Morris does get just swing and miss. I mean, it's 91 from the left side, it's a good slider, but it just he sprays the fastball all over the joint. He he had bases yeah. loaded, nobody out in the first, and then UCLA went uh backwards k463 so um that's what i would do but they hey it's it, pray for the problem right they could keep playing around with this and see what they like and um yeah it, it was fascinating hey let, let's let's finish with like some team perspectives Saif, what is a um what's a team takeaway you have from globe life um whether it's a team that you're really more excited about than you thought you'd be or if it's a team that maybe you're a little bit more concerned about than you thought you'd be Oh man, uh, great question. Um, Oregon State now, Aiden May was spectacular on Friday night. He he opposed Hagen Smith, and he was spectacular. I mean, it was a seventy slider. It was up to ninety six with a fastball. He was locating, throwing strikes. It was just a that pitcher's battle. So, I would have said I was more impressed with Oregon State. I knew they had a great lineup. You know, anytime Bazan's leading off, and you got the just the Turleys and the, the kid, kid named Macias, I didn't even know. Like, he was outstanding. I really enjoyed watching him swing it. But I knew the lineup was good. I knew the pitching was okay. Um, but May was outstanding. Um, the only downside, so I guess Oregon State, to answer your question, is like they were more impressive pitching-wise than I thought. But to walk back from that a little bit, May left the game holding his arm. So yeah. I haven't heard anything at Corvallis. We all know how it's pretty hush-hush there. And if Kendall can get a word out of there, you know it's it's pretty hush-hush. But um, So that is very concerning because, I mean, that was an ace. That was a Friday night guy who can compete with anybody. He went toe-to-toe with Hagen Smith in the best game I've ever – in the best pitching forms I've ever seen. That's how good Aiden, Aiden May was. Um, yeah. So I'd have to go to Oregon State. Now Arkansas, I could go to them. They were super impressive too. They are everything as advertised. They maybe didn't hit as much as – we thought they would, but the pitching was just dominant, dominant. 
I mean, everybody throws 96 for Arkansas, right? Like, is it, are they, they have their own radar gun? Like, is it, it's, it's like that comedy. Gabe Gackle was throwing 99. Like it was like, it was easy. It wasn't like he was, and he was pitching. I know a lot of people are critical. It's like, oh yeah, they just throw it up there. They don't throw strikes. His ERA is 20. Gabe Gackle is like, he was spotting his fastball, throwing a slider for strikes. It's controlled, really good delivery. I mean, this is a guy who was pitching at 98. So. Just super impressive. Mm, I could talk exactly. all about Gabe Gackle too. It was it, and Brady Tiger was outstanding. Mason yes. Molina, he seemed like the vanilla cone, but he he had the best mix and the best. He went five hitless innings. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's your Sunday too. guy. You're in good shape. Yeah, Seriously. I mean he's your Sunday guy, and he's like he threw a no hitter through five. So um, yeah, and they had other guys. They had a kid named Fisher, a freshman lefty, Colin Fisher. Um, and even Jack Jake Ferrity, he got the the save on Friday, um, and uh, came in was one to nothing on Saturday, and left one was one to one. But he was touching ninety eight with a seventy grade slider. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just guy for guy. So it's it's amazing pitching stuff. It, it definitely is. But to answer your question, and Oregon State is probably the team I walked away um, more impressed with than I was going in. But it could be equalized with depending on what's going on with May. Yeah. It's interesting. Joe, how about you from, from the Jacks Classic? What's a team uh, impression you leave with? I'll give you a, a quick hit and then like a lot more expound on another team. First is that I don't know how many games Wichita State's going to win this year, but they're they're not going to be fun to play. Um, you know, they, they've got physicality. They also have an extremely left-handed lineup. So if you're not equipped to get left-handers out, like that's a problem. Um and it's a typical kind of like Brian Green outfit, like the dugout's energetic. It's a lot of positive energy. It's, you know, kind of chirpy. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like it's a loud dugout. It's energetic. It's umpires having to tell them to get back to the dugout after a home run. Like, love that. you know what you're, you're going to get energy for nine innings. And like that can be obnoxious to play, you know, and, and also they, they competed well this weekend. Auburn got them. Okay, fine. But the two other days they got a win against Iowa and they, they played Virginia tooth and nail in that game. So I, again, I don't, I don't know how good they will or won't be, but I just know they're, they're going to get someone and ruin somebody's day. And they're just, they're not going to be any fun to play. So um, that was one Auburn if if they can keep their pitching kind of where it is right now like that that's a team with omaha upside which is not a super hot take because i think we all like their club in general but and i like the offense when you when you take obviously ike irish incredible bat um i like what i saw from chris stanfield as a guy who's a real catalyst for them you've got the like a veteran like bobby pierce who's just been there forever and has physicality cooper mcmurray right so um you know derek fabian's kind of like an I don't want to say extra piece, but I mean, he's leading their team in average and he doesn't start every day. Um, so they, they've just got a lot of pieces to play cards to play offensively, but the pitching for me is, is the key to the whole deal for them. And a it's healthy right now. Joseph Gonzalez looked kind of like Joseph Gonzalez, which is to say kind of like boring in the best way. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not high in stuff. It's not strikeouts. And in fact, if he's getting strikeouts, it's probably a bad sign that he's not getting enough sync on the ball. And but he, he looked strong. Uh, so now you're, you're looking at a situation where a guy like Christian Herberholtz, who was a, you know, started down the stretch then last year and was, was pretty doggone good. is just kind of like a generic bullpen piece for them. 
Um, Cam Tilly, their best freshman, who's got a real live arm. Uh, you know, I got to look at him over the weekend. Um, he's they, they don't feel obligated to shove him into the rotation. Like he's a bullpen piece. Tanner Bauman started last year. He's a bullpen piece. So right now they're in a really good spot where it's not the most exciting rotation in the world with Alsip, who has command issues, Gonzalez, and then Carson Myers, who's just like a pitchability lefty from UAB. Um, but that's good enough based, based on what I saw this weekend. And then you combine that with like a kitchen, what I'd call a kitchen sink bullpen, which is like, they've got low slot righties and they've got low slot lefties. They've got over the top hard throwers. They've got over the top stock right-handers. They've got sinker slider guys. Like it's just like a, a grab bag of every type of pitcher you would want to have in your bullpen. And if like, if you give Butch Thompson, that kind of pitching staff, I have to assume that what's going to come out of that is, is a pretty good staff in general. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Joe, Joe Gonzalez, just keep taking the ball and that's, it's all good. We know he can pitch. Hey, Kendall for round rock. Here's my question for you. And you can go wherever you want, obviously. So you had Washington state who's, you know, like, again, they're old. They've got like six pitchers who are fifth year seniors or better. Like it's a men's league team is what Washington state is. Like it's an old, old team on the mound. And then you had Kansas and then you had Texas state and then you had Kentucky. When it's all said and done, how many regional teams were there? Is it two? Is it one? Is it three? Uh, I'm going to go with one. Uh, I'm going to say one. I feel pretty confident in Kentucky. Uh, I think Kentucky's going to hit enough to be a regional team. Uh, that's a really confident club, too. Um, mm. It was almost like the opening game like made them mad, and they played like it the rest of the weekend. I kind of like that. It's, it's kind of a staple of the Nick Mingione team, right? That's just the way they kind of play. Um, Texas State for me is really interesting. Uh, I think with Louisiana struggling, I think there's an opportunity for Texas State to move ahead of the Cajuns in the pecking order. Uh, you know, offensively, I really liked them. Augie Ramirez is a really big time bat in the middle of that lineup. Uh, but their starting pitching has got to get better. They they would have they would have potentially gone three and zero over the weekend had their starting pitching just not gotten them in such a huge hole the first couple innings. So the big thing for me is if they can short the starting pitching. You know, offensively, it's a really good looking club. Uh, and then Kansas, um, I like their club. I, I do wonder if KU has enough on the mound. But I tell you what, when you look at that offensive lineup with, you know, with, with Cody Shojinaga and you look at Chase Jans, uh, you know, Jans and Reader's a really physical guy. Then, you know, Jake English, you talked about older guys, uh, you know, in Wazoo's lineup. You know, Jake English is an older guy in Kansas's lineup who's taken that, that big step forward from an offensive standpoint. So, uh, you know, I, I I am with, you know, Fit made the comment in the preseason. He thought that, you know, Kansas can be a regional team. Uh, I, I think they can. Um, I, I just think the Big 12 is going to be really difficult to to get in, in pole position to be a regional team. But they're definitely much better and certainly more talented. Um, can, can I mention one team that was in the same area code that, I, that did catch my attention, by the way? Please, by all means. Uh, the, the Texas pitching staff um, – you know, when Tanner and Witt went down for the Longhorns, you know, I kind of thought, okay, that's it for the pitching staff. Like, you know, without Witt, I mean, they're really going to struggle. Uh, Texas did not allow a single run over the weekend to Cal Poly. Now, I think we'd all agree that Cal Poly is probably not the, the greatest team in America, but I don't care who you're playing. Not allowing a run in a single game over the weekend is is very impressive. You know, Charlie Hurley threw really well for the Horns on Saturday. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, Cody Howard, who if you look back at my fall report, 
Uh, he was like the one arm I saw that day that I actually really liked. Uh, you know, I didn't see their best arms that day. But, you know, Howard was like 90, 90, 92, pretty good slider, some physicality to him, you know, moved his moved his pitches around really well. He went five shutout in that final uh, game for the Horns uh, against the Mustangs. So they go from not allowing a run over the weekend to, guess what, they get to play LSU Friday night and they get to play uh, Vanderbilt uh, later this week as well. So big weekend for the Horns, but we're about to find a whole hell of a lot uh, more about Texas here in the next few days. Yeah, we are. That, that Friday, I mean, they'll have 30,000 people at that game. That's going to be absolutely Yeah, fun. LSU, I, I kind of feel like so, – I had a good chat question today. Somebody said, hey, does it kind of feel like LSU just like sleepwalking a little bit? Uh, I'll tell you what, they ain't going to be sleepwalking when they play Texas on Friday night. <laughs> no, not in front of that crowd. So, hey, boys, let me give you – I'm going to give you a thought on UCLA. I've got one final question for all, all four of us. And, and let's just – I'm going to save most of the top – when we do these, these recap – weekend recaps, I want to like – not go crazy on the rankings. That's really what the chat is for. You know, hey, uh, DBU, Campbell, and Auburn came in. Iowa, uh, UCLA, and K-State came out of the rankings. You know, I, I'm saying this, not speaking for Kendall or Joe or, or Fitzy, but like teams like Cal and Irvine, Indiana State, and others yeah. are kind of there. But, you know, in the beginning, there's there's a lot to sort out. Here's my, here's my, uh, my worry for UCLA and Louisville. I just watched UCLA get swept. The first two games were close, but TCU TCU was leading the proceedings. UCLA was trying to stay with UCLA, like, but TCU was in command of those games. On yeah. Sunday, UCLA was that fighter that just gets smoked with an uppercut and then is in shock. Like they had bases loaded, nobody out to start the game. They don't score. They give up five in the first, two in the second. They get 10 run ruled. UCLA did not compete well at all on Sunday. They had a long meeting in the outfield after the game. Deuce Gorson, who I think is a star player. I mean, this kid started games for Team USA last summer. He had an awful weekend. And uh, now, again, TCU's got lefties and kids. They're they're a tough look for a left-handed hitter. But UCLA's going nowhere fast with Deuce Gorson struggling like that. And, And he will not struggle like that all year. Here's my concern for UCLA and Louisville. To borrow your phrase, Joe... These are low, these are high floor programs because they recruit so well and they've got such a winning tradition. Here's the problem for those two programs. They don't want to be high floor programs. They have high expectations. They want to be Omaha teams. Um, That's what their pedigree is. And there's an expression, Joe, you may, you'll think of it, but where it's like two things are two forces coming at each other. And that's what I think UCLA and Louisville are fighting right now is, they're, the reality is they're just a high floor team, but they, their aspirations are totally their, their, their aspirations and who they are do not match right now. Now they could change those things, right? Like teams can get better and both teams yeah. have a ton of talent, but I'm concerned about that where who they are and who they want to be are just not aligned. And um, it's almost like watching someone suffer from an identity crisis I think it's very fixable, but if it was easy to fix, they'd already have it. What's the expression I'm looking for there, Joe, when two two forces are going at each other? Is, the, is that the, like the uh, uh, irresistible force, the immovable object? Yeah, is that is that yeah. similar? Yeah, I, same same yeah. church, different pew. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, you're you're there. It make yes. that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like this is obviously not a topic of discussion here, but. 
Louisville dropping a game to St. Bonaventure and then struggling to get out in the finale of that. I mean, they had to score 18 runs to, to win relatively comfortably against St. Bonaventure mm-hmm. in on Sunday. Like, oof. Like, St. Bonaventure won eight games last year. Eight. Yeah. Can, can I make a comment without offending a really good mid-major right now? So here, so it, here, here, <laughs> it sounds like you're going to offend them, Kevin. But let's do it. Oh, yeah. it actually, this is actually a, uh, now that I think about it, this is like a compliment. But can somebody explain to me how? And granted, like Mitch Hannis has done an incredible job at Indiana State. Yes. But like, can somebody explain to me how Indiana State has had clearly superior pitching to Louisville in back-to-back seasons? Like, how the hell does that happen? Like, can somebody answer that? I mean, like, Indiana State does an amazing job. Don't get me wrong. But last year they had Finlong and, and uh, Jacek. Uh, Jacek, yeah. Or Jacek, whatever. This year, Jacob Pruitt, who I'm sure Sif will see at some point soon, is throwing BBs out there. And Luke Hayden struggled over the weekend. But, again, like, it's a 95-98 arm. Does Does Louisville have two guys like that at all? Well, I think Jacek I mean, and – I'm just Jason trying to throw and- it out there. Like, all these kids – or within two or three hours of Louisville, and they're all going to Indiana State. Yeah, I think Jacek and Fenlong are are outliers because like Jacek is the yeah. kid that that you wouldn't chase in recruiting. You know, he's eighty eight yeah. to ninety, short, like squatty right hander. Just what, but but it turns out he's got crazy feel, right? Like, and then Fenlong is just some JUCO max effort strong arm right hander that they who ends up with a cutter that he throws every pitch, right? Like it's hard to account for that in recruiting, but I, your, your they point, I can't dispute. Spencer, by the way. Yeah. Like lefty throwing 97. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's, let, I think what we're saying here, Kendall is Louisville who has pitched very well for very long is not pitching very well right now. Yeah. It's, it's mind blowing. I mean, it really is for a program that that has had the the Reed Detmers of the world to be where they are right now is just mind blowing. Yeah, it's crazy. Hey, let me give you guys here's my here's what I want to wrap on. So, I'm thinking about Iowa, right? They just got swept. They had a lead in all those games. Yeah. The bullpen was the issue. And I'm thinking about Clemson last year who was 2 and 7 in the ACC only to be the number 4 overall seed. I'm thinking about Ole Miss who 2 years ago was 7 and 14 in SEC play only to win the national title. Is Iowa going to fix this? So it's it's a it's a I'll give you three multiple choice answers. So my question is is Iowa going to fix this very quickly and they're going to be a host or are they going to be a nightmare two seed for somebody because there's too much talent or neither. Maybe like they've got an Achilles heel that is going to take down the whole operation. So A is they're going to they're going to be this is exactly what they needed. They're going to go on a run in the Big 10 they're going to host. B is they're going to be the worst two seed you've ever faced in your life or C neither and you know we're going to be we're going to have the rosary beads out. I have a middle answer. Selection. Oh yeah, go ahead. yeah. I, I, I mean I think yeah, I was, D is fill in the blank. Well, so I think I was going to be fine and and Joe saw him up close. So I'll let him have ultimate say here. But I think I was going to be fine. But but I think and again I like I hate to like speak in absolutes the what third third week of the season, but if they lose a series to Ole Miss, like they're gonna have a really tough time hosting, yeah. Because that'll be two of the that'll be two uh, non conference weekends against good competition that they have losing weekends. 
And it's just going to be really hard for a Northern school to host with that kind of resume. They'd have to scorch the Big Ten, They would have to just absolutely dominate the Big Ten, which, by the way, is pretty good. I mean, Indiana's good. Nebraska, I thought, was really solid. Ohio State. Mike Gambino is like, I don't know what kind of, like, pixie dust he's sprinkling around over there in State College. But, like, they're off to a surprising start. So, yeah, they're going to have to just go uh, go crazy in that league. Joe, you're going to go last since you saw them. Seif, what say you? You're muted. There we go. I just had to find the right button. No, I was muted. I just looked around here. Um, I'm going to go B. I'm going to go B. I think they're going to be a, a really good two seed. I saw them two games opening weekend um, in South Carolina. Um, I know Joe just saw them three games this weekend, but I watched part, if not most, of all those Iowa games just to check in on those pitchers again. Um, their Achilles is, as Joe will probably tell you, too, is just their offense. I mean, they have Sam Peterson, and then what do you got? Um Peterson's one of the best hitters in, in the country that a lot of people probably don't know his name yet, but uh, super talented players, 80 runner can hit hits for power plays left field. So it kind of looks like a oh, prospect or whatever, but they got a really good defender in center field. So Sam Peterson's the guy, but their Achilles is definitely the depth of their lineup. And maybe what Joe saw was their, was their relief pitching because I'm not trying to steal Joe's thunder, but like they led in every game, but as soon as they pulled their starter, that's when they lost every game. So they yeah. were winning for five nights or six nights of every game. So, Joe, before you go, I'm going to go. My head, my head says B, like they're going to be a two seed. But my heart says A, and I'm going with my heart. Rise up, Iowa City. You're hosting in June. Get ready. It's going to be warm. I'm just putting in the universe. Now, Joe, you, you give us a, a sensible answer, please. I, I appreciate you putting that out there, Runes, if, if for no other reason than like if they – if they have to host a regional at the current iteration of Dwayne Banks Field, it might motivate people to get the new Dwayne Banks Field like up and going a lot more quickly. So many shovels in the ground right now. That that rendering has been has been like hung up on the right field bleachers for years <laughs> now. Um, They're almost as bad as Illinois Stadium renderings that, that they came out with that during the Tyler J year. Hey 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 guys, quit taking on my Big Ten here. I will tell you, Iowa <laughs> Field is a lot better than it was just a year, two years, three years ago. So um, I will say, though, people were a lot smaller, you know, 75, 100 years ago. Like, used to be like the old seats at Wrigley Field where, you know, I mean, they fit they fit the people of that era. But, I mean, we're bigger and taller and everything now. And Iowa's still the same way. So you will sit at Iowa in a seat and your knees will be in your throat. They are that tight. The seats are that close. The rows are that close together. So – they need to do something about their seating quick. Um, and then you're ripping on my alma mater, Illinois. I will just tell you, they have the worst seating I have ever seen. It is still the bleacher aluminum, my butt kills, that I sat on when I was charting pitches in 1991. So um, Illinois definitely is way worse than Iowa when it comes to seating. Now, Illinois has some really nice facilities indoor, uh, their, their clubhouse. They made some yeah. really nice improvements too. But, uh, yeah, the seating in Illinois is just terrible. But – you're you're underrating Iowa here. They're 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 on like phase three of nine for their field, Joe. So be nice. To okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. And in Illinois, you can't beat the sights. That graveyard behind left field, like you just yeah. Well, it's like the Midwestern. It's the you, Midwestern know, you, know the road, you know the four lane the four lane road that separates the cemetery from the baseball field. You know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, do yeah. have the they do have the David Seifert Plaza though, which is really nice. Yeah, well, I, I gave up a home run into that road, so just so you know. <laughs> so, there's there's so a baseball land next to it. 
Didn't quite make the cemetery. Okay. Cool. You know, you know, Scythe, maybe you can aim your sights real high instead of, you know, how they heard Kurt Reed at Southern Illinois spots for the bathrooms. Maybe you could yeah, be the yeah. namesake to the bathrooms at Illinois Field. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's a story behind it. Did you ever get to the bottom of that? Kurt it's Reed. ongoing. No, that's Joe, the no, investigation's Joe's ongoing. Well, that's our Runes. Yeah. Runes wanted to talk. You wanted to interview him. I'm sorry. That's Joe's right. too busy doing his real job and not actually looking looking uh, at the Kurt Reed situation. We'll get to the bottom of it. Although it's going to be one of those deals where it's like it's more fun to just like, you know, toss out reasons why that's the case. Like the actual story is probably not nearly as funny as I feel like know, Shock. Just... I feel like Shock is a good person to put on the case on on that Kurt Reed. A, that point. would be an excellent choice. <laughs> he might actually yeah. be Kurt Reed. Yeah, no doubt. Joe, Joe, get us back to reasonable baseball conversation. What do you got on Iowa? He might be Kurt. It's like a DB Cooper situation. Um, so that's a that's a reference for like six people out there. Um, I don't even know. So what you're I, about. I, I think it's B. Like Iowa's like a really pesky two seed. You absolutely do not want to see. But the the problem is, the Big Ten is going to have to be good as a league, and I think it is like i think this is an up year for the big 10 however like we've seen this before where you know you get a 36 win i mean iowa's done this before you get a 36 37 win iowa team that goes 15 and 9 in the big 10 and their rpi is 61 and like if their rpi was 15 spots higher they could be the same exact team and be a two seed and like so i just fear that like the difference between being a two seed and being on the wrong side of the bubble is so narrow for them. And it has nothing to do with how good the team is because I think this is a regional two seed caliber team. So that's, and then you look at the schedule and it's like, they've got a series against Western Illinois. That's not great. They've got a, and in the big 10, they get Purdue, you know, that historically has not been great. Minnesota, tough few years. Um, they've got Northwestern. That's tough. And they end the season with FIU at home. And like FIU's not Ooh. been very good. So like that's a, I mean, they've got some good series in there, but they also play like St. Thomas in the midweek and their RPI. Right. I can just about guarantee you is going to be like 250, 260. Well, so, so, yeah. you know, I, I think I was on talent, a nightmare of a two seed. I just don't know that the resume that like, they're going to have to really hustle and play well in the big 10 to, to get there in terms of resume. That's fair. Gonna have to send those renderings to the selection committee. Send those to Indianapolis. Right. See if that doesn't That's sway right. some people. Boys, uh, let's cap it right there. That was a fun discourse. Sife, thank you for uh, for subbing in for Fitty Barrels. Um, always a pleasure. Always love more, having. It was the... a lot more pleasant with Sife on here than Fit. Yeah. Oh, you're muted, Sife. <laughs> you really are playing for Kendall's team. Uh, Sorry, I was on mute there. Because yes. Up. I'm happy, very happy to substitute for fit anytime. Yes. Uh, uh, let me say this to the listeners. Uh, now is the perfect time to get a subscription to D1Baseball.com, SEC Extra. Um, also uh, consider the streaming options for the games this weekend. Coach Farron, the great Mike Farron, and I will be in Vegas. We've got Oklahoma. We've got Pitt. We've got Ohio State, who's got eight left-handed hitters out of nine. Uh, and then we've got uh, Cal. Uh, Cable, Cale Blow and Vita, Rodney Green Jr. is off to a great start. Um, so when you go into, I'm talking about the uh, the website now, the website subscription. If you type in 24 season, you get 24% off. You could also type something fun in there like Midwestern Pepperdine. 
D.B. Cooper, who, by the way, is worth Googling. Holy cow, that, that's a Google, Joe. Thank you for that. Aluminum bleachers is another great thing you could put in there at checkout. But put in 24 season. Your spouse will appreciate that. You'll get 24% off. You want to watch games with the player stats right there, the advanced stats. You can look up fall reports. You can look up conference previews. And you could have looked up that St. Bonaventure by Coach Rooney was picked to finish last in the – they're frisky, but they were picked to finish last in the A-10. And that that puts some context around that upset of um, Louisville. Like like you, I think you said, Joe, they won eight games last year. So um, very good. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Good effort tonight. Um, that's it. Everybody have a great week, and we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast.